Well, uh, welcome back, everyone. Hope you all are doing well and enjoying the summer. I know it's been great uh, to slow down, enjoy the warm weather. And for some of you in here, you're not ready for the summer to end because some of you in here are teachers and you're not ready to deal with uh, elementary kids, middle school kids, or high school kids that are throwing back sassy remarks or giving you stinky excuses. Or maybe for some of you in here, uh, you are ready for the summer to end. Some of you who have kids, young kids that are just complaining every day about what they eat, you're like, ah, I got to get you out of here. Or for some of you who have teenagers uh, who might complain about doing chores, you're like, I've had it. I've had enough of it. Go back to school. Um, But no, in all seriousness, for me, I know chores was a thing that I always complained about. Um, and my parents are here, so they know. Um, uh, I would have toilet duty, and so I was on for cleaning the toilet, which turned into three toilets because my sister Liz never wanted to clean any of them. So I got left doing this, and I was like, oh, this is disgusting. Who wants to clean a toilet? But all of a sudden, mom and dad were like, you know what? If you don't clean the toilet right now, we're going to take this Xbox away from from you right now. And I was like, oh, that is a death sentence for a 14-year-old boy. Please don't. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll get it done. I don't know what it was, but parents always knew what would motivate us, right? Oh, I'll take your car keys. I'll take this away. They just knew. And I know for me that my parents showed me more grace than, than I deserved because, boy, were we a handful, five kids with massive egos, Um, who would always try to push the lines and boundaries of grace with them. And so I just want to say for all the parents in here, you all deserve an award for the amount of grace that you give uh, to your kids. You guys are troopers. I mean it. And so there's countless stories of grace out there, and that's what we're focusing on this morning, is the grace of God. And so I ask you this question, What is grace as defined by the world? Grace from Oxford Dictionary says, being kind or polite and generous, especially to somebody of lower social position. Therefore, if grace is generous, maybe it's kind, it's a little bit close to what Scripture says, but there's still something missing. See, God's grace can be defined as unmerited divine favor Two sinners for the sake of salvation. In other words, God's grace pursues us and searches us out even though we do not deserve it and in no way have earned it. It is God moving towards us despite our sinful and broken nature. And this is powerful. This is life-changing because it is a grace so unexplainable but it is God simply pursuing us out of his great love despite our shortcomings. And the thing is, in our humanness, how often do we share and give the same grace to others that God so freely gives us? I mean, I can think of a time where grace fell short, and sorry to throw you under the bus, Dad, but this might have been valid, but 12 years ago, Uh, My two older brothers, Zach and Taylor, got 
you know, they were wrestling downstairs. I was downstairs, and they were really getting heated into it. And Zach threw Taylor into the wall and just made this massive hole in the wall. And immediately, Zach's like, you got to cover this up. Uh, we can't let Dad know. Otherwise, we're going to be in huge trouble. And me, being the little brother, I'm like, ah, I know I should tell Dad, but I'm scared if I don't do what you tell me to do that you're going to beat me up or something. So, yeah, I'm covering that thing. So I put a poster over it, a LeBron James poster, my first mistake. And uh, it sat there for probably over a year. And unfortunately, I was caught in the crossfire and my dad saw it fall down, and he was livid as any parent would be when they realized there's a massive gaping hole in the wall. I freaked out and said, wait, 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 wait. I didn't put the hole in the wall. It was Zach and Taylor, and they told me to cover it up. And that's true, but I probably should have told them a lot earlier. But as my dad did, he showed me some grace, but wasn't thrilled that I kept this secret. You know what they say, ask for forgiveness later. But the thing is, what if I would have told my dad right away? What if I didn't try to hide my brother's mistake? Does this sound familiar at all? This is much like the story of Adam and Eve. They did something, they made a mistake, and they tried to cover up their sin. And we see this in Genesis 3. But before we dive into God's word, would you join me in prayer? Father God, we are just incredibly thankful for the grace that you have shown us in our life. Lord, I pray that we would see your grace, not an angry God, not a judge, but simply that we would see your grace, Lord. Um, God, thank you for sending Jesus on our behalf, to take our place. And so, Lord, as we draw into your word this morning, let us meditate on it, let us reflect on it, and let us move forward with it through our actions to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, we pick up, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat fruit from tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed a fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So let's break this down for a minute. Before this moment took place, God created Adam and Eve out of his generous graciousness. In other words, in God's mercy, he created all of us despite the fact that he didn't need any of us. It made no difference. 
but He made us to bring Him glory, to reflect who He is. I mean, it would have made no difference, but He did it anyway. And He's called us to participate in this life on earth and in heaven forever. And the fact that we have breath in our lungs today is an incredible act of grace on God's part. And so with this and all things, God created Adam and Eve out of his grace. And with that grace, he chose to give humanity everything, free reign, dominion over the world, as Genesis 2 tells us. But even as God has given Adam and Eve free reign over everything, he commands them to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is where the enemy enters the picture. And he basically tells Eve, if you eat from this tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan plants this temptation, right, which is to be like God. A temptation that sounds really good, but has repercussions to follow. And this is what Satan does. Satan comes over there and he shows you, here's the pleasure of sin. Do it. Take it. But what he doesn't do is show the consequence of that sin. And that's the problem. And because of this, Eve takes this apple and shares it with Adam. And their eyes are open to good and to evil. And what happens is they disobey God and the result of their disobedience has negative effects. So let me give you this example. Let's say that you are on a diet that is specifically against eating any sort of food, greasy food in particular, and so sorry to make you hungry in the middle of service. Feel free to get a burger after. No, I'm kidding. Um, anyways, you're on a diet. You can't eat this greasy food. Otherwise, there's consequences to follow. So just as you're crushing this diet, your friend comes along and says, hey, let's grab some greasy hamburgers. To you, this sounds good, but you know you're not supposed to break your diet. And your friend says, why can't you eat it? Why not one cheat meal? It's only a burger, and you know it's got bacon on it, it's grilled, it's greasy, it's got butter on the bun. Oh, it sounds so good, right? Like, ah, oh, fine. It's once. One cheat meal. But little do you know that that greasy food is going to run right through you and create turmoil for your stomach. And a lot of times this is the pattern we get into. We're like, ah, I don't really care. I want the instant gratification. But we don't think about what comes after. And this is much like the sin Adam and Eve were enticed to. Although there is a lot more negative consequences than a juicy quarter pounder. See, this apple became the thing that made them wanting to be curious of knowing everything. They wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. So they took this apple, but all of a sudden, after they took advantage of this pleasure, after they went to seek gratification, instantly shame filled their hearts. And what did they want to do? They wanted to hide. We got to hide from God. And you see this in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered. 
I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So just as they become aware of their sin, shame starts to creep into their hearts. Suddenly they're frightened because they know that they've disobeyed God. And instead of going to God who is gracious, their initial response is, Oh, i got to hide. i got to hide. i got to run away. And we do this, right? We mess up. We get into something we shouldn't. And we hide it. Maybe you woke up for a 3 a.m. snack. You're like, oh man, these cookies sound so good. You eat all these cookies and instantly you're like, oh, nobody can know. So you either go to Walmart. Like, I got to replace all these cookies so nobody knows a single thing that happened. Or maybe you blame it on the dog, which the dog unfortunately gets a bad rap. But maybe... Maybe you were up a little late last night and searched for things that you shouldn't have been searching for. You found stuff you shouldn't have been looking at. And all of a sudden, this guilt, this shame comes in and we try to cover it up. We're like, nobody can find out about what I did. If they know what I did, they're not going to look at me the same. They're not going to treat me the same. And we start to live under the shame that starts to bury us. And in some instances, we're caught, like Adam and Eve. And the thing is, because they didn't understand that God is gracious, they start to view God as this angry judge in the sky, keeping track of all the rights and the wrongs that we have done. And so all of a sudden, as this fear, as this shame starts to play in, They start to play the blame game. All of a sudden, God says, how did you know you were naked? And Adam says, you put the woman here with me. It was her fault. She did it. It's all her. And Eve's like, hold on a second. That's not me. It was the serpent. It's all the serpent's fault. And while the enemy did tempt Adam and Eve, they both fell into the temptation that resulted in sin. But even in their sin, God is incredibly gracious. Because God could have easily said, you know what, Adam and Eve? I created you, and you screwed up. I gave you this one command. Literally, I've given you everything. One command, and you can't follow it. Come on! Did God do that? No. Could he have? wanted to. And this isn't to say that God lets sin go unpunished, but He acts graciously towards them even though they didn't deserve it. And He does this with us. He moves towards us. Even when we make mistakes, God still pursues us in His great love. And this is the whole big idea of this. God is incredibly gracious And His grace made a way for us to live with Him forever.
And we see this as we pick back up into verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you will return. See, God being gracious does two things at the end of this. And real quick, sorry for the moms in here, the childbearing stuff, unfortunate. But (laughs) in all seriousness, God does one very important thing. God disciplines. And he does this through his grace. And it shows that God cares for his children. So much so that he does not want us to continue numbing ourselves with sin. And as any good father would do, God disciplines us so that we do not continue to hurt ourselves. Because sin ultimately leads to our own destruction, to our own pain. For instance, for those of you who have kids in here, especially for younger kids, you say to your son or daughter, don't put your fingers near the electrical outlet or you might electrocute yourself. And you know the pain. And it's not just about, oh, you're disobeying me. Yeah, that's a problem, but... You don't want to see your child in pain. It's like, no, I'm telling you this. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want to watch you in pain. That's the same thing with God. He disciplines us so that we do not put ourselves in pain. See, God is gracious and it pains Him to see His children disobeying and putting themselves in situations of pain. And that's because God knows that if we continue to sin and sin and sin, It's ultimately going to separate us from Him, the one who loves us most. And this isn't what God desires of us. He wants to be with us forever, to live forever with us, for us to step into all that He has for us. Because as you see, if He lets Adam and Eve go on their way, they would be continuing to wallow in their own pain and suffering and sin and ultimately be eternally separated from God. And God doesn't want us to live separated from Him. See, just as much as it would pain any parent to lose their child or to be separated from them, it would pain our God to have us be separated from Him, the God who created and wove us together every single cell and bone and tissue, the God who knows every inner working part of our heart. That would pain him. And so what does God do? In his grace, he makes a way. See, in this curse, even though Adam and Eve face the consequences of their actions, God puts opposition in their path 
in the path of the enemy. He says to, in Genesis chapter 3, see it says Eve's offspring will crush the head of the serpent. And that offspring is being referred to as Jesus. And while it says the serpent will strike his heel, he will never ever be victorious over Jesus. And Jesus may have been crucified, he may have been mocked by the people he created, but the enemy did not succeed, did he? No. Because Jesus robbed the grave three days later, he conquered all of fear, all of death, all of sin, every worry, and he stands victorious over the devil today, tomorrow, next year, five years from now, 20 years, and for eternity for all of time. Doesn't he? Isn't that incredibly powerful? And we can share in that victory with him. Some of us may hear this, but in our hearts, we really can't fathom it. And for some of us struggling to receive this grace today, I want to give you an example and an illustration of what this looks like. So could I have everybody close their eyes? And imagine that you are standing before a judge guilty, awaiting the verdict of what you did. And after some time passes, the jury has decided that your crime is worthy of the death penalty. And all of a sudden, you begin to tremble, you begin to weep, as you know that this time has come, you know it's the end. Fear begins to settle in and you begin to feel hopeless. And as you're preparing to face this judgment, the judge comes by and says, You're guilty for what you've done. But today you are pardoned. You're not dying today. Someone else is taking your place. And I'm not sure why, but you are free. And that person is Jesus. You can breathe easy. A lot easier now knowing that you are free indeed in Jesus. And you can open your eyes. Isn't this crazy? You and I should be up on that cross, but God in His grace makes a way for us, for Him, for us to be with Him forever. That even though we may pass in this life, if we confess with our heart and our tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord, When we are with Him in eternity, there will be no more pain, no more suffering, and the assurance that we will be with Him forever. He made a way, didn't He? And for those of you struggling to let go of your past, of your shame, you are forgiven, you are loved, And His grace is enough. So if you want to take that step today to follow Jesus, it'll be the best thing that you ever will do. And while your situation may not change today, who you are now rests in your identity with who God says that you are. And your eternity now rests with God and you will never 
ever, ever be alone. And so I ask you this question. Will you continue to walk in this burden of shame? Or will you receive the grace that God freely offers through His Son, Jesus Christ? The choice is yours. And as you ponder this question, I want to move towards the time of applying God's truth to our lives. Point one is the first thing that we can do to live in God's grace is giving ourselves grace. We need to remind ourselves daily that God's grace is sufficient and that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And something that we can do is to daily remind ourselves of the identity that we have in Jesus and that He has already paid the price for us. Because let's be honest, as people, we're really good at beating ourselves up. But we can remind ourselves of this identity that rests in Jesus, that we are forgiven, we are loved, and His grace is enough. And maybe you do this by putting something on by a screensaver. His grace is enough. Maybe you write in your phone, I'm forgiven and loved by Jesus. Or maybe you put on a post-it note in a mirror, forgiven and loved by Jesus, as a daily reminder of what this grace means. Number two, we can give others grace. We are called to extend the same grace that God freely gives each and every one of us every day. And we can do this by being patient with others. One way that we do this is through extending that patience to others. And how often is it is that we're as patient with others as God is patient with us? Probably not a whole lot. And so instead of quickly firing back, scolding son, daughter, co-worker, spouse. Let us be quick to listen and display patience through listening before we speak, as James 1 says. An example of this patience that I've seen and this grace that was given in my life uh, was about a month and a half ago. Amelia and I went to the drive-in movie theater it said on, my, on the ticket, 7.30 for the new Jurassic you know, Park movie. And I was like, oh, let's get there early. It's 7 o'clock. Nothing happens. I'm like, oh, maybe it's starting at 9 o'clock. To only show the old Jurassic Park, to have to wait for the new Jurassic Park, we were there for seven and a half hours. And I'm thankful for the grace that she extended to me because I know in that position, I wouldn't have been so easy to fire grace back. And so, let us practice it through patience, patiently enduring sometimes, like she did. Number two, forgiving those who hurt us. Forgiveness is huge and moving towards grace. And this is the very heart of our God. Just as God has forgiven us through Jesus and has given us a clean slate, we are called to extend forgiveness towards others. 
And just as God restored his relationship with us, let us also restore every single relationship we have with others. And I know for some of us in here, we've gone through real hurt, real trauma, real pain. And so forgiveness, it's not easy. It's difficult. And maybe the position that you are in today, maybe all that you can do today is say, God, give me a heart of forgiveness. And maybe just praying for that person. And that's fine. That's where you might be at today. But if at all that you can mend a relationship, I highly encourage you to do so. I highly encourage you to work through forgiveness, if you can, to meet with that person, to walk through these different things. You don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to hang out and go over to their house all the time. You don't have to do this, that, or the other thing. But you can move forward through grace by forgiveness. And this is the heart of Jesus. He calls us in Matthew 5 to pray for those who persecute us, our enemies. It's challenging, but it's worth it so that we will not live under this burden of bitterness, but that we will move towards grace because it will change the inward working of our heart. So let us follow in Jesus' example and give the grace that he so freely gives each and every one of us every day. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so thankful that you show us grace. I know that we don't deserve it. But God, I'm thankful that you give it to us. I'm thankful that you pursued us even though we turned our backs on you, Lord. And so God, as we go out of this place, let us not hear empty words, but let us move forward in action and display the same grace that you display to us each day. God, I pray that as we go into our work environments, our everyday life, that we would be quicker to be giving grace and that we would be more adapt to giving forgiveness. Lord, give us your heart today. Let us run in your amazing and marvelous grace. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Pray this in the powerful and the mighty name of King Jesus. Amen.